Hey folks, it's Marvin Cash, the host of The Articulate Fly. On my fly fishing journey, I've been fortunate to meet and become friends with some really great folks. I've known Mac Brown almost as long as I've been fly fishing, and Jason Randall was one of the first guests and early supporters of The Articulate Fly, and I met Ed Engel through Jason and Landon. This motley crew recently completed a week of chasing trout in the driftless in Chinook in Michigan and wanted to check in with The Articulate Fly. I caught up with them pre-mule as they were preparing to return home. Hopefully, you find some of their tips helpful for your fall fishing. Now, on to the three amigos. How are you, Jason, Ed, and Mac? Great. Hey, I'm good. We've been hanging out here for the past week fishing for big salmon in Michigan, and we've had a blast. Yeah, so you've been uh, up in the UP, right? Yeah, we've been been kind of bouncing around a little bit, but... uh, primarily focused on salmon that's great but you also did some fishing in the driftless too before you headed up to up right we did we did we fished three days there in the heart of the driftless streams and we got into some pretty good brook trout we fished and and got into some uh you know some good brown trout good colors i mean all these fish are in their pre-spawning colors and it's just so much fun yeah, that's awesome. And I heard that the uh, the food, the fishing, and the company was a little lousy, right? <laughs> well, I'll let those other guys address that. <laughs> well, the food was great. <laughs> the company was a little, a little it was sketchy. A little dodgy. <laughs> Well, and so, uh, so guys, I, you know, I know you were catching massive, uh, Chinook that were running, um, up out of Lake Michigan to spawn and that kind of, kind of creates some challenges, right, Ed? So, I mean, what are the secrets, particularly when you're not fishing from a boat and you can't chase these guys, um, to, to keep them on the hook and get them in the net? Yeah. What you got to do is if you sort of got to follow the fish. If you can keep the fish across or upstream from you, you've got a really good chance. But if you have to follow the fish downstream, which we were doing, there was some real heavy water below us. And and you'd have to run and chase that that fish and, and get him to where he was in a resting spot or something and hope that you could uh, uh, bring this fish in. Another thing to do is, is set your drag before it all starts. If you're fooling around with your drag when this fish takes off, uh, it's just one more problem that, you, that, that you're going to have. But the, the main thing uh, that would work that worked for, for a lot of the guys was if they could keep the fish up above that real heavy water. And these other guys may have some ideas on, on, on that too. Uh, what do you guys think? Yeah, Jason, I would imagine too, right? Uh, let's talk a little bit about rod, rod position. I know you're a big fan of side pressure, right? I am. And I just want to emphasize what Ed pointed out about just making sure your drag is right and know that most guys will just pull that drag uh, right at the reel and they kind of set it the way they want. But you also have to realize that the drag, if you've got that rod and, you know, bent up and uh, the drag that's coming out of the tip of the rod might be a little bit different. So when that fish is running, I'll usually lower that rod just a little bit. I don't go straight, but I'll lower it to maybe a 30 or 45 degree angle. So that drag will come off a little bit smoother. And I think it helps with your break offs as well. So when that fish starts running, don't just crank back and put the boots to them and put a huge bend in that rod because I think then your drag is uh, is going to be a little bit different. But 
I agree too, is try to keep those uh, fish even or uh, with you or above you and side pressure. When, when you're holding the rod straight up and down, that's like neutral. You're not telling that fish where to, where you want them to go. And I think we need to establish control of the fight. And side pressure, I think, can help really guide a fish into the into the part of the river where it's easier to land and maybe the current uh, is not as strong and we get a better chance, I think, of landing that fish if we control the fight. Yeah, and this is one of those instances where the drag on your reel actually makes a difference, right? It does. Yeah. So this isn't the uh, the old trout adage. I mean, this is probably, you know, for fish like that, you really want a almost a saltwater quality drag that's really smooth and uh, gives you a lot of control, right? You, you do. You do. And I'm going to let Mac uh, address that a little bit. Mac, do you want to chime in on that one? Um. Yeah, just just the big part is, is pulling on it to where it, 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 you know, is set. I think my drag was probably eight, around eight pounds. And, and I think it just, you kind of test it down at the reel. If you want to, I mean, it's hard to test it at the other. So I just, I, I, I think that a lot of that is when it's really going is, you know, we lower the angle and point, point it more. I mean, not directly, but it's like, if we do that, it's reducing all that friction at the tip top. But, um, yeah, they, they're hot. I mean, you catch <laughs> some of those are like up in the upper twenties, I think upper twenties, low 30 pound range, and they can. They can definitely take off, and I think that drag drag part is like really good. You know what Ed brought up, because a lot of times I think people are messing with their drag when they see it going, and they should have you know had that all set up to start. That's the kiss of death, <laughs> messing with your drag when the fish takes off. <laughs> yep, <laughs> it's like, uh oh, yeah. And I guess the kiss of death before that is if you break your rod casting your rig. So, Mac, you want to kind of talk about, you know, I know you guys were probably fishing probably a pretty typical steelhead rig uh, when you were up chasing the Chinook. You want to talk to folks about kind of how to cast that effectively and uh, not endanger yourself, the people around your your rod? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the line control to to take, you know, to hook up into these salmon is uh, we'll we'll try to go and maximize just like in, you know, with trout to throw it up and above and let it go down as far as we can below. So, so we kind of try to, you know, get a pretty long, long float with it. So when it's time to cast, regardless of which cast I decide to use, first thing I'll vector it. So I've got, you know, 12 and a half, 13 feet less line. And then either a constant tension cast swinging around to the side then coming back over the top. That's what I use the most. And, and a lot of times I'd shorten it up enough to where the weight's already back up and out of the water. So then it's just kind of like, you know, flipping forward because that works real well. Then you're releasing all the line in your line hand and you can go back out, you know, 15, 30, 35, whatever the distance and where you're gridding off. And that's the other thing I liked about where we were, you know, you still do all the same concepts of gridding off these different sections and trying to cover it, you know, methodically. Yeah. And Mac too, just for folks that don't know, I know when you talk about the vector pull, um, I know what you mean, but for folks that aren't familiar with that, you want to let folks know what that little tip is. Cause it's a really great way to recover a lot of line really quickly. Yeah. Just having the line trapped under your middle finger of your rod hand. And then I grab the line above the rod hand. And when you do an archer stance, you know how you pull a bow back in the archery. And so you're let, so my line hand would go opposite and I'd extend the, 
the rod hand forward, then you've got about 13 feet of line in that one retrieve. It's just an efficiency thing. That's just the way I like to do it. I mean, you could do it other ways, but it's hard to do if you're sitting there pulling below the rod hand. You'd take four to five strips to equal what I just did in one. So it's just a conservation of of wasted motion, you know. That's why I like doing it, doing it like that. But the pendulum casts work great, too, with these rigs, just flipping underhand. A lot of times we're going closer. You know what I mean? Like an underhand. Well, we, we use a, uh, for those familiar with crappie fishing, that's how... <laughs> That's how you throw bait, you know, underhand flips. That, that works well, too. The main thing is just not to hit the rod. That's why we like using that constant tension, using a form of an elliptical, you know, and all the elliptical casts are constant tension. So the big thing is you, these weights are big. You don't want to have it coming forward and hitting the rod in the back of the head. So elliptical casts keep that well away from you. Yeah, absolutely. And before I ask you guys where you're going to be on the road in 2024, Ed, I know I was watching uh, you guys on social media over the last week or so, and it looks like you guys had some uh, some pretty technical presentations. I saw a lot of like feeding the fish. You want to talk a little bit more about kind of the the driftless presentation game because it looked uh, looked pretty technical. Oh, well, we had some real classic fishing there. In terms of dry flies, for me, it was basically just. Uh, trying to trying to get drag free drifts and for that it'd be maybe maybe a, a parachute cast uh uh we'd fool around with the leaders a little bit maybe add a little more uh 6x at the end of the leader so it would collapse on the water you get a nice drag free drift uh and that was for dry flies uh for nymphs uh it was pretty much standard euro nymphing but uh, I'm a dry fly guy, so I really enjoyed the dry flies, and and that's uh, basically what I did. I, I mean, it's all about the drift. We tried to suck him over to the dry uh, to the dark side, though. We tried to pull him into the dark <laughs> side of Euro News thing, but so so Ed, you're gonna yeah. be you're gonna be the Denver Fly Fishing Show uh, tying the dry fly Frenchie. Is that what we're tell? That's what they're telling me. <laughs> yeah that's about right yeah yeah you gotta hackle it pretty heavy to keep that bead floating <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely maybe a little foam too it makes it a little tough to cast yeah. but uh but talking about the hatches ed so i would imagine right this time of year you were probably maybe october caddis right maybe some isos what were you seeing on the water you know we didn't we didn't see that many actual hatches and what we were doing was we were fishing dry flies we were fishing like size I was fishing size 20s, 22s, uh, and, and just fishing water, and, and the trout would come up and take it. And if that didn't work, we would just do like a hopper dropper or, or a larger dry fly dropper, and you'd catch fish typically on either one, elk hair caddis dropper. And the droppers were just basically a tractor, nymph patterns. But uh, uh, I ended up just basically fishing these small, 20s to 22s dry flies and and did okay yeah i i can tell you uh i couldn't see him i assume you're lifting on anything fishy that you think is close to your fly well you can see them it's really important to be able to see the fly you get close enough to be able to 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 see it i mean get a casting position where you can see that fly on the water and you're going to have more positive hookups i make an effort to, to try to be able to see the fly and I, I'll put, uh, floating on it and then I'll, I'll, uh, uh, put, 
put desiccant powder on it. And it's not too hard to see. And, you know, I'm an old guy. I can't see that good anyhow, but I can see that. Yeah, I'm super nearsighted. I'll have to try some of those tips and see if it helps me out a little bit. And uh, sounds like you guys had a great time. And I know, you know, you guys are going to all be on the road uh, hitting the show circuit. I'm going to kind of go around and let folks know because this will probably be the last time. Well, certainly the last time all of us will be talking together at the same time, probably see each other before January. Uh, Jason, where can folks find you in 2024 on the road? Well, I'll be at the Marlboro show uh, near Boston uh, in January. And then uh, I think we move on to Denver later, a couple of weeks after that. And then Edison in the greater Chicago, uh, northern New Jersey, um, neck of the woods, and then Atlanta. And then I'll be in Dallas as well. So uh, I'll be I'll be at least uh, kind of in part of the part of that neck of the woods. Uh, God, at any of the shows in the upper Midwest? Uh, not this year. No, I was uh, I was uh, at some of them last year and and uh, and uh, I won't be there this year. Yeah, got it. And Ed, how about you? Uh, I'll be at the Marlboro show. I'll be at the Denver show. This is the fly fishing show, uh, the uh, Edison, New Jersey, and I'll be at the uh, Atlanta show. And I think that that'll be what I do this year. I'm not going to do all of the shows which I typically do. So first four shows. Uh, got it. And uh, how about you, Mac? How many miles are you going to put on the Subaru this season? <laughs> I think that for sure I'm doing Edison in Denver and Atlanta and Pleasanton, California. And there's a chance I might do, you know, I still might do Bellevue and, and Marlboro and, and Lancaster because I've, I've got some messages here to, to find out. I'm just, I'm just not sure on the other ones yet for sure. But, I know I'm doing those four and that those will have that all day class that Gary and I do with those. And that's the ones he wanted to, to shoot for this year. But I'm, there's a chance I might do those other ones too. Uh, God, are you going to have your big jug of red wine? No, I don't know how much I'm going to drive up there again. We might fly again. This, I don't know. It's, <laughs> we might fly because cause it's, it's pretty long when you get done like at Edison four days and then drive back that night. That's getting, kind of getting old. That's a long drive through the night. Yeah, it's a horrible interstate too. But, uh, well, listen, guys, I know you're kind of breaking up and going to your separate corners and heading back to Colorado and North Carolina and all that kind of good stuff. I really appreciate you uh, carving some time out. I'm glad we were able to solve all the tech issues. And um, I look forward to seeing all you guys really soon. Well, folks, I hope you enjoyed that as much as we enjoyed bringing it to you. And hopefully some of their tips help you with your fall fishing. Tight lines, everybody.